Father, truly, as we have just sung, you are always good. You are only good. Even as we heard Sunday night, everything you do is good. The question is not why do bad things happen to good people. It's why do good things that are difficult happen to those who are your children. And we know the answer to that question. It's because you are good. It's because you're working all things for our good and for your glory. And I pray you just give us faith to trust that, uh, to lean into that, even in the difficult things when we don't see it, to know that you are good. And everything that we have that is good in life is from you. And you are working all things for your glory, for you are a powerful God. And nothing can stop you from accomplishing your purposes. And we thank you for bringing us here safely this evening. Even tonight as we spend time in prayer, as we look to your word, I pray that we'd be encouraged and you'd be honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As you come to the Psalms, at least to me, Psalms like this, that, that seem positive the whole way through, seem to be the rarity. It seems a lot of times David starts out and he, he's struggling, he, especially in these first 14. There's several Psalms that are laments where David is just struggling with something and yet at the end he always turns to his hope that is in God. I think as we come to Psalm 16, something that we see is that that same formula that we follow in lament of trusting in the present, looking back to what God has done in the past, and then trusting God for the future. That's the same formula for, for praise in all of life, not just in the difficult moments of life. In fact, that's what you see as you work your way through this psalm. In verse 1, it's the only prayer in this psalm. It starts with a prayer. It's in the present, right now. Preserve me. Then verses 2 to 8, look to the past, how God has preserved David in the past. And then verses 9 to 11, look to the future. I am trusting because I have trusted and found you to be faithful. Therefore, I will trust for what comes. You could lay it out in this way, prayer, praise, promise. As we start in verse 1, we see this prayer that is on David's heart. Preserve me, O God, for in you I've put my trust. It's a request in whatever situation in which David currently finds himself. Preserve me. Preserve me, O God. Guard, protect me. For in you I put my trust. 
What's interesting is in this moment, it's not David saying, I will do this, but I'm presently doing this. Guard me because I am presently putting myself in your trust. I am exposed. I am leaning fully into you, therefore guard me, preserve me. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you just felt entirely exposed. Where you were leaning on someone else or something else and you're entirely dependent on that thing. There's a difference between being in that moment where you're leaning on that thing, where you're leaning on that person or whatever it is, and if they fail, you fail with them. And there's a difference between that and the moment before you step into that, as you're looking at it, as you're thinking about it. You can still back out. But the moment you lean into it, there's no backing out. If they fall, you fall. And that's where David finds himself at this time. I am trusting in the Lord, so do not fail me. If you fail me, then I will fall. For in you I am putting my trust presently. You are the one in whom I trust. Therefore, preserve me, guard me. And David then comforts himself with this thought. These thoughts, I should say, in verses 2 to 8. Preserve me now, for you have preserved me. So what's going on in verses 2 to 8, David is returning to all these times in the past where God has preserved him, where God has guarded him, where God has shown himself to be faithful, to be worthy of trust. Psalm 16 comes in an interesting progression of Psalm 14, Psalm 15, and Psalm 16. We, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we were in Psalm 15. You may remember Psalm 14 is the, the universal reach of sin. Everyone is a sinner. Everyone has fallen short. Psalm 15 then looks to and asks the question, who can dwell in the tabernacle? Who can approach God? And the answer is, no one. We just saw that in Psalm 14. We've all fallen short. And so then it makes sense that then Psalm 16 follows where it says, Therefore, because I have no hope in myself, because I am utterly sinful, because my sin separates me from a holy God, therefore I am putting my trust fully in you. I am entirely, all my weight, leaning on you. So preserve me, O God. And then David comforts himself by remembering all these times that he has. Oh my soul, the deepest part of who I am, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. It's a confession of who God is. You are my Lord, therefore I am leaning on you. His recognition in the next line, my goodness is nothing apart from you. My well-being is entirely dependent on you. Preserve me, for I am entirely dependent on you. I've seen the reach of sin. I've seen it in my own heart, in my own life. I've seen the holy requirement that you have as a holy God. I know that I fall short. Preserve me. Just come to verses 3 and 4. It almost harkens back to Psalm 1. David chooses his companions wisely. He chooses to spend time around those who, who trust in the Lord, who like him are leaning on the Lord. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. They are the godly, 
The ones in whom I delight, the ones who encourage me, the ones who I, who I spend time with. I spend time with those who point me to the Lord, who remind me that he is my trust. Verse 4 is the contrast. Those who are not the godly, the ungodly. The sorrow shall be multiplied of the one who hastens after another god. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor will I take their name upon my lips. I do not put myself in that situation. I avoid those people. I avoid those places. I delight in those who are godly, in those who are saints. Verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. He's continuing to remind himself of other times in the past. Lord, you're the portion of my inheritance. You're my cup. You maintain my lots. All those words carry similar ideas. It's the idea of my, my destiny, who I will be, what will happen. It's all in your hands. Rather than relying on chance, I'm relying on you. You are my portion, my inheritance. You are my cup. You maintain my lot. You guard, you guide my life. Verse 6, the lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. It's true of every child of God, regardless of earthly wealth. I have a good inheritance. Even as I look around at this life, if, I, if I'm struggling, if I have no inheritance in this life, if I'm struggling, if I'm failing, I have a good inheritance. Our mind goes to a Patch the Pirate tape. We listen to those a lot these days with our kids. And uh, there's one, I think it's Mount Kilimanjaro. And there's a character in there called Barefoot Ben. And he doesn't have shoes, and he's never had a home, and his parents were missionaries to Africa, and he, he, they, they passed away, and he's telling the stories to these other kids. You know, my parents didn't leave me a house. They didn't leave me any of this stuff. They left me, uh, they told me stories of God. That was my inheritance, is they led me to the Lord. And the other characters in this Passion Pirate tape go, they didn't leave you any money? They didn't leave you a house? And he goes on, he says, no, I have a greater inheritance, a better inheritance, something that is far much greater than anything they could have left me. That's what David is saying here. As I, as I look around, my greatest inheritance is from the Lord. I have a good inheritance, regardless of what this life gives me. Regardless of what befalls me here, I have a good inheritance. Therefore, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons, in the hours of darkness. In the hours of darkness when, it is, is when life sometimes just seems scarier. We're dealing with this right now with our son, Clinton. He is, for some reason, going through a period where he is scared to death of the dark. His brother Judah is right next to him, in the bed right next to him, and he will cry, I'm all alone. We have to remind him, you're not alone. Look, Judah's right here. Not only is Judah here, but God is here. You're never alone. Mom and dad are right down the hall. But it's those seasons of darkness, in the night seasons, those hours of darkness that sometimes seem the scariest. Whether it's literal darkness, or whether it's just darkness of life, going through difficult times. Even in that, I have a good inheritance. Even in that, he gives me good counsel. I've set the Lord always before me. 
because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. I am secure, not because of my wisdom, not because of who I am, but because I am trusting in the Lord, because he is at my right hand. That's why I won't be moved. It's not because of my strong faith that I won't be moved. It's not because of my strength that I won't be moved. It's not because of this palace that I stay in that I won't be moved. It's not because of this army that surrounds me that I will not be moved. It's because he is at my right hand. It's because I am trusting in the Lord. It's because he is always before me. Because I have set him always before me. Verse 9 to 11 looks forward then to I will trust. I am trusting presently. Because I have trusted in the past and I found him to be faithful. Therefore, I will trust. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. It's something this world does not have. They cannot rest in hope for they don't have hope. They don't know what tomorrow holds. They don't know what the future looks like. But we can rest in hope. Because we know who holds the future. Because we know who is at our right hand. Because we know that he is faithful. Because we found him faithful in the past. We can rest in hope for the future. Verse 10. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow the Holy One to see corruption. Sure, as David is, is writing this, as he's penning this, that those truths were so encouraging to him. It does not end in this life. I will rise. But what's more encouraging is the New Testament, both Peter and Paul in Acts take this and they actually see it as a reference to Jesus. You who will not, whose soul was not, who, who would not left his soul in Sheol, nor will you allow the Holy One to see corruption. He rose again. He's victorious. And because he is risen, I will rise. That's something we actually have more in those lines than David even knew. As, as encouraging as that was to him as he's writing that, we're looking back, seeing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and knowing he did rise. And because he did rise, I will rise. You will show me the path of life. And your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Because of that, because of what you've promised, because of what you will do, because of what you have done, I am trusting in the Lord now. I am trusting because I have trusted and therefore I will trust. I can pray with confidence in the present. Because as I look back in the past, I can praise God for what he's done. And then I can look forward to the future and I can lean on the promises that he has given. Amen. I have found him to be faithful. When you take Psalm 14, 15, and 16 together, you see a portrait of the gospel. The reach of sin. The, the utter hopelessness of man separated from God. And then 16... Therefore, David is trusting in God. He's leaning fully on God. He's putting all of his weight on God. Because that is who will preserve me. That is who I am putting my host. And it's because of that that I can rest in hope. 
I'm not looking for, for pleasure, joy in this life. I'm looking to the future. Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we look forward to that day just as David did. And we say even, Lord Jesus, come, bring it. So I hope that that is an encouragement to you. Psalm 16, uh, even the progression of Psalm 14, 15, and 16. Psalm, Psalm 14 can, can be, it can tear you down. <laughs> it can be bad news. But when you look at it all together, the good news is God doesn't leave us in Psalm 14. The good news is that he is a faithful God and we can trust in him. So remember that even this evening as we go to prayer. Remember that God is faithful. Remember the promises that he has given us. Remember that he is coming again. Remember that, that even the worst that this life gives us, there is something better. There is someone better. There is something more that we are longing for.